Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. Hi, welcome to Business as Unusual. This is Aisela, and today I am chatting with Maiden Mansonel Frank about her newest book and her business, The Prov- Provocateurs. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I'd love to be part of your show and look forward to conversations with you. And before we dive into all the ins and outs of what you do and the, I'm also very excited that you wrote a book because I think that's pretty neat. What's the last thing that you did for fun that you want to talk about on a podcast? Oh, that's interesting. I, I do a lot of stuff that's fun every day. And if I do a big, I have a big workload, I'll try to see what would be my reward after finishing that. So I will always spend time thinking about what's the next big fun thing that I, I would do. But in a normal like situation, I would just go outside and walk uh, every day, whether it's sunny, it's rainy, it's snowy. I like to walk outside and just have this amazing, we have this yard that's just full of greens and it's lush right now with the rain. And just walking outside gives me that perspective that I need to ground me in real life with uh, reality and with also with having that perspective in mind that I can bring back to my work and allow me to be to be as humane as possible with the people that I, I deal with, especially my family, because you don't want that stress. So mm-hmm. you want to always get out there, distress, decompress what they say, and just allow nature. You get soaked in the, the beauty of nature, and that gives me that cake every day, every day of, of, of my life. So I'm very happy. That's a fun thing I do every day. It's not like a one special one, and it's something that I enjoy. I really like that you said that you like to try and rejuvenate, and as part of that, for your family. I think that can be... Yes. Something I know that at times I have forgotten that my family has to live with me. <laughs> Sometimes that's, when I'm super stressed, that may not be as pleasant. So I really no, appreciate yeah, that, that, you, that you put that in there because I, I think sometimes we um, we forget that they know us too. Like someone else might not really know that yes. we're stressed out, but the people that are close to us can always tell. That's a very kind and, and loving way to engage. I love that. Thank you. Will you tell folks a little bit about your business, who you work with, what the name of it is, so that we could talk more about your book and how that came about? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I've, I'm now in Canada. I live permanently in Canada. But before that, I was uh, I was born, I was raised in the Philippines. So I moved here in Canada in 2010. And then I did a lot of uh, community development work. Uh, that was fun. And uh, I met my husband and then... We had a family and that changed my the trajectory of my life and of, of course my career too. And then I had my maternity leave and I thought about what can I do? I, you know, I have a little one, but then a little bit of time. And then uh, as she is growing, what can I grow slowly in the process? So the consulting business came out of that because number one, I have tons of experience uh, working in with uh, 
many communities, development communities, immigrants, workers, fair trade organizations, social enterprises, you name it. So I have that this cross-cutting knowledge and, and, and experience and background. And then also I want to do a lot of remote work. I want to be more independent with my time and autonomous. So I thought maybe a consulting business wherein I can just slowly build it. It doesn't have to be like commercial success, but my own definition is success. If I can help people, that's my success already. So that started. Global Six Consulting started with that ambition is to touch one, one organization at a time, one leader at a time, help them build up their organizations better through organizational development, facilitation, training, strategy, you name it. All of those, all those, all my interests will be turned into sort of a business service mm-hmm. in that sense. And that came about it in a simplified way. And given the fact that I'm new to the province as I moved here, mm-hmm. I basically started from zero. I don't have any clients, no contacts, no connections, no network. So I was like, okay, this is going to be very slow in terms of growing, but I love it because as my daughter grows, I understand that I may not be able to do a lot of things, but there are people who would be able to support me and help me, including my family for sure. Out of that vision, there's a, I, I built a lot of connections in, in, in the community that I very near with in terms of here in Red Deer in Alberta. And then a couple of years there was a lot of teaching assignments and coaching and a lot of networking, a lot of going out there and building your name and credibility and just doing a lot of volunteer work as well. It's just this many things that I do and writing and blogging every week. And the book came out of that as a result of I'm writing for others, I'm writing for myself, and I take great, great pleasure in writing. And I said, one day I need to write a book about what I've done and maybe share it with the rest of the world. So the book came out as a result of that longing to do something more that I haven't done. So I've done a lot of these things, as I said, right? And during COVID, that was when there was no activity whatsoever, as, as with other businesses, small businesses. And I thought, what can I do in this very depressing time where everything, mm-hmm. there's no moment in business, Nothing's coming out. Everybody just holding on with their monies because it's survival mode. Uh, you are in. Nobody's meeting everybody. Nobody's trying to really expand in terms of their operations. So I said, maybe I need to just, you know, um, take the time to write a book. It will take one year, two years, doesn't matter as long as I, it's a good product. It's quality one and I can share it with, with other people. And that just came about that. So my work in global development has been extremely I would say very important in 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 terms of my career and I still have that so the the issue of impact collective impact global impact and and how I see it now given the fact that I have a very strategic consultancy from a nonprofit worker to a board member to to all those roles that I held before sort of culminated in in the book in terms of the perspectives so that came about provocateurs came about as a result of that decades of work in the development field, both in the developing countries and here in Canada. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that sounds, I don't want to say uh, maybe natural, like the work that you've done and what the things that you saw and the needs that you were experiencing. I was going to say, it sounds easy, but I was like, I don't really mean that. <laughs> it doesn't sounds like it was more natural, organic. Yeah, again, organic, like a natural yeah. result for you. Yeah. And, yeah. and you've already touched on this a little bit, but what 
what do you think this is business as unusual so what do you think is unusual about what you're up to not a lot of people would be courageous to write a book about the discontents in the field the, the debates and the things that could be improved in terms of perspective of people of how they do development they do philanthropy they do community work giving there are a lot of assumptions and misconceptions and that that are taken as truths taken as the the in thing and I go against those. I go against mm-hmm. the, the flavor of the month, whether it's climate change or racism or BIPOC or you name it. These these are really good, very important concerns, but it masks the underlying issues that we still have. And mm-hmm. the funding resources goes to those flavor of the months. What about those that are not the flavor of the month issues? Where they are right now? Where's the money? How are communities struggling? Communities are struggling to solve, resolve those issues. What supports do they have? Yeah, because it's not flavor of the month. Those it's, are the things that for me are um, is a must in terms of uh, it may not go against, it may not go well with a lot of people who are stuck in some methodology or approach or flavor of the month ideology. But for me, I need to speak Speak, expand the perspective of, of the readers to know that we want to be more honest and more grounded about what we can do in the communities and be more resourceful and speak against those things that do not really turn our ideas into sustainable uh, ways of doing. And it's important, it's important that we do that. It, it is. And it, I'll build on that to say, I think that one of the things that I've seen in those different perspectives is that when it's a more trendy topic, people can get the idea that it's a a checkbox or a destination, as opposed to understanding yeah. this is a daily activity. Like climate justice isn't, I donated my $5 to Greenpeace and I recycle and everything's fine. Sure. It's a much yeah. larger, more complicated interdependent system. And we need to have daily awareness and also recognize where responsibility lies. Like if every individual in the entire world recycled, it still wouldn't really change things because so much of the impactful waste is the corporations, which isn't to say we shouldn't do our best, but also recognize we don't need yeah. to shame other people because it's not, people aren't really the biggest, individuals aren't really the biggest impact, things like that. So that's a really, I love that you bring that, shine that light there. That's a, I think really yes. important. And, and the book is all about individuals, provocateurs. They're not part of institutions, organizations, bodies, or big brands. They are you, like they're like you and me doing something really good for for our communities, for the people that we want to serve. So it's really grounded on individual leadership, and that comes from courage, persistence, perseverance, like a situation as a whole leadership, wherein we look at context and work within the context that you experience and expand the possibilities for people. And they say they don't have it. They don't know. They, they don't have, they don't, they're not capable. That, that's a mindset. And I think that as, as leaders, we need to really look at the mindset of people working in, in, in those areas of, of need or working with some of the mis- more complicated challenges of our time and see that, Hey, this is something that we can work out. It, it doesn't have to come from big corporations or we don't need handouts. We don't need dole outs. We don't need 
uh, philanthropy saving us like Bill Gates or Bono. We don't need that. We need us together working on this yeah. and, and being grounded with what we can do with the energy that we have already and the assets that we have. And I think the book speaks about that. Yeah, that's powerful. Can Is there a, a moment in your life or a story that you can share that sort of gives us some understanding of how you saw this or discovered this need? Like what inspired that awareness in you? I think it's my, I was born and raised in the Philippines. My upbringing is very humble. I, I was raised by a single mom. We were just basically on a survival mode, but she put us to education. I had my master's also in the Philippines. So it's really that having a lived experience in terms of poverty and marginalization, what it, what it felt when you don't have anything except the education, except the knowledge, except the ability that you can progress from that, that you, whatever, wherever you came from, you can elevate yourself to something better. Mm-hmm. So regardless of your, your background, you can transform yourself to something, to a human being that's way better, that can keep, keep that will be capable of doing things that would achieve better things for themselves and for their communities. So I feel that that's when I moved to nonprofit world and I, I saw the need, but I don't see the professionalism. I don't see the integrity, even in the nonprofit world. And I question myself, is this the right role for me? Is it the right space for me? Because I, I, I have the heart for service. But then when I look at the organizations that are serving, they don't are not exemplars at all. Mm-hmm. And I grew up knowing that there must be some organizations that are really upholding the values and the virtues of service. And I sought, sought many organizations. And in my early formative years, I didn't find them. The leadership development wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You swim or you survive, that's it. There's not a lot of capacity building for younger people to really be part of the leadership. There's nothing at all. There's no voice. You just have to be a worker. Yeah. And that continues on. And I felt that this is something that really transformed my understanding that we didn't need to really dig deeper and look at ourselves as mm-hmm. leaders in the community. Are we really walking the talk and talking the walk? <laughs> And as far as integrity is concerned, are we all, are we really imbibing that as leaders mm-hmm. in everything that we do? Because it will show whether it's fundraising, it's giving, it's running the operations, it's programming, it's, it's branding, it's marketing, all the operational aspects of, of running a nonprofit. Are we running it with integrity? Yeah. And that's a big question for me, uh, looking back. And that's why my focus now is not on institutions to make it stronger, but the leaders in those institutions. They create the environment that will transform the world, one step at a time. So do you have a an example, either from your book or from some of the work that you've done, of a way that you have seen a leader transform the the work culture from something that was maybe stagnant or even not working into something more effective I know that's the whole book so just a little taste so people know what the Mm -hmm. yeah 
there, there was a lot in the book in terms of examples because it's it comes in 10 principles so every principle i have an example like real life example of leaders that are really <clears throat> expanding the, the 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 space for this and uh, there's one leader that i highlighted and we talk about i talked about her in the context of innovation and what does it look like the last book the last principle would be dare the impossible but before that, you have innovation. And um, this lady is uh, a prominent person in Africa. She was a humanitarian. She was a doctor. She did a lot for the refugee communities in that area. She was like half Rambo and half Mother Teresa because she really protected the refugees in her camp while providing medical support, livelihood, you name microfinance, you name it, the whole range of services. And it, it's just her. And when she tried to, to, to import that model to a different country in Africa, the government said, we don't have all those types that you want. You, you want the land, you want a refugee center, you want microfinance, you want schools, everything. We don't have that. You go to the UN, you go to World Bank to do that. We, we, we can provide that for you if you want mm -hmm. to transport the, the model. But she did it in her country, in her land, with her medical skills. I don't know, with a small bunch of crew. She did it by herself. Impossible is only in the mind of those people trapped in that mindset that we we only have this. Sorry, right. go somewhere else. Just one, just one example. No, that's really true. And I I feel like that's been... You so go true. somewhere else. That's what I always say. Go somewhere, go somewhere else. else. It's not the place for you. Or you can't do it here. We can't do it here ourselves. That's the... There's that old uh, homily. It's a story here in the US, but I feel like it's a... It it, it comes from other um, cultures as well, uh, which is that they call it stone soup. And it's the... Yes. the yeah. And I feel like that's what you're talking... Like people... And we all do this at times, right? We look at what we have and we think it's nothing. Instead of looking at it and thinking, how can we share? How can we get use what we have to the best of its advantage? Which is not to yes. say that that doesn't mean there aren't limits, but that but also there's usually a little bit more possibility when we can come at it from that perspective. So that's really powerful. That's right. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Is there something that that guides your work? like a advice that you've received or a philosophy or something that you took in some wisdom that you can share with the listeners and me i'm gonna take it when i started my business a lot of people would say oh you're you can't do that you're gonna be a consultant what are you gonna consult on and, and they asked me those weird questions and i said yeah it's what i do i, I love to do that but throughout the years, it, my principle is very simple. You have to put the your you have to put the oxygen mask first for yourself before mm -hmm. you can help others. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I fundamentally believe in being mentally sound, physically, emotionally, spiritually, emotionally sound to be able to be the leader for those you want to serve. And Peter Drucker, one of my favorites, would say. The, the best gift that you can give as a leader is your is your vitality, your strength, mm. your energy, your energy as a leader. So you need to conserve that. You need to protect that. You need to be ruthless about that for mm -hmm. yourself so that you can give. You have something to give. You don't have something to give. How can you be of service? How can you help? So that, that to me works. 
No, it's really true. I Someone that I really respect, who is very wise, says, don't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. <laughs> when you have that desire to serve, it can be so tempting to endure your own needs and your own experience. And yet, if you do that, it, it's like setting yourself on fire to keep people warm. And, and it's not something sustainable. Yeah. Like when you're gone, that's no, gone. No, it's not. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, who... and in, in business terms, they want to grow ruthlessly and grow in a capitalistic way. What, what the, that's another their nirvana. Mm-hmm. Growth can be just being yourself, being in, in, in your humble state. And still grow because growth is not just economically or commercial commercial success. Success could be measured in many ways. And I feel that for me, it's one client at a time, one assignment at a time, one person at a time that I can help and coach and support. Yeah. And that's so important. That's that one. There's that, what is it? The most important person is the person you're talking to. And the most important task is the one you're doing. And really yeah. give it that full focus and that full presence. And this is, you know, I always ask, you know, who, who thrives with your service, but in terms of what you're talking about with your book, who do you think would be most impacted or find the most wisdom in this book? Would it be people who work in the nonprofit world or corporate leaders? Who do you think is really going to read this and feel that sense of something clicking for them? Yes, I think in general, the, the nonprofit sector leaders, those who are in, in positions of authority, probably can relate. And even the younger ones that are trying to build their career, trying to find their way around their voice in the sector and couldn't find an ally. This is something that could resonate as well in terms of the getting into the ladder, trying to figure out what's the best uh, position they can find and grow from that position. But yeah, I, I guess th- those, you know, the, those kinds of generations, the, those who are already in positions of authority and would have influential power and those who are just starting out and feeling, is this right? Is this the right space for me? How can I grow? How can I sustain myself despite challenges and all those things within the sector? And still make a difference. So both, I would say. Usually when you're swimming upstream, it it could be a little exhausting at times. So what do you do? Or can you share a little bit about what you do to keep yourself inspired or how you recharge so that you have energy to continue? I, I think you answered that a little bit in terms of the oxygen mask, but I don't know if there's anything else you could share. Yes, I, I think I, I would say reflective practice, just pausing. Like this summer, I paused. I paused my business. I just literally didn't want to do anything. Even blogging, I thought that I could just relax and just let my mind think about other things. So I did my, I completed my teaching assignment. It's just a short one during summer. I did something very different from what I usually do. And I just felt that my body just relaxed. Uh, I'm not feeling the headache anymore. I'm not feeling stressed out bodily. I don't have a lot of body pains and aches. And I felt like this is the time wherein I really need to recharge and just think about ways to disengage for a while and reflect on what I've done in a couple of years and see, is this something that I would still want to do? Is there something that would add more joy to what I'm doing? Is there something I need to discard right now so that I can open the space for better things in my life and in in my career? So I'm not concerned with the trajectory anymore. I'm not concerned with how the business would look to others. 
that's not my concern. I even even want to concern about how people see me. That's not my that's my not my control, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It's really about defining those terms and boundaries for me that will help me in the long run. So this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. So marathon, you create the spaces wherein okay, I need to. Uh, pace myself for this right and then you do and then pace again so yeah. that you can continue the marathon yeah that's true because you have to sustain yourself through that process so you do boom yeah I so for the folks that are listening that want to learn more you have a community don't you the provactors nexus you want to yes, tell us a little community. bit about that um, I, after the book, I thought maybe I should build a community. The people are already engaged with what I do inter- indirectly or directly and form a community using an online platform to be able to provide that support, leadership support in terms of their challenges, coaching, for example. And it just started, I launched it last year. It just started this year, a couple of beta, which is a beta program. And I'm just continuing that with hopefully a new module that I can launch for free. So that mm. I can invite them and then maybe that first cohort could be the foundational members of that platform. That That's that's the vision for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. And if they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for folks to find you? Should they go to your website or send you an email? Yeah, they can send, you can go to my website for sure. Just check me out first. Where That's what everybody does nowadays is Google the person or the brand or the product mm-hmm. and see if that resonates with them, the values align or the needs could be. We could discuss that furthermore in a one-on-one, free one-on-one consult with me. They can email me. The, the, all the details are there in the website. But in terms of the book, they can have it. They can order it at, online in all retail uh, outlets, whether in the UK or Amazon to the Amazon um, platform. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share or talk about? Any exciting? No, just giving you my my congratulations for doing this and just thanking you for doing this podcast. And you've touched a lot of people, including myself and other authors and writers and business leaders across the world. So thank you for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's a, it's like I said, it's a passion for me because I feel like I want people to know about what you're doing and not because they're bombarded with all this other information that's maybe not as meaningful. I that's a judgment on my part. Yes. So everybody, I'm being judgmental, but I still, I still <laughs> no, feel right about it. So I hope that you're you're more uh, inspired and uh, supported. Uh, by people like us who who are, you know, supported by your work. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank uh, you.